Good morning. Oh, come on. I know you guys got masks on, but you can do better than that. Good morning. Ugh, thank you so much better. My name is Jennifer Torres. I am, everybody's also excited to be here. We're so excited to be here, but I am. I'm actually excited to be here. <laughs> um, I've been here for four years. My husband and I have been coming for the last four years. Uh, right after Don and Luke started pastoring here is when we started um, coming. And uh, so for four years now, it feels like forever. It feels like we've been here forever. Does anybody else feel like that? They've been here forever and ever? Yeah. Yeah, Mike, you don't count. <laughs> but we have. We've been here for a long time. And uh, we, have, we have a lot of kids. My husband and I have a his, hers, and ours conglomerate of children. So if you've ever watched the uh, classic Yours, Mine, and Ours, it's the 1968 Lucille Ball and Henry Fonda movie. It's about a blended family. It's fabulous, but that is how I've always felt. But we do. We have six kids all together. And so we have uh, three, one, and two. We have three boys and three girls. So we have a very large family. And I, I, I had to learn to do things with a really large family that I don't think that ever as a teenager, as I was dreaming about my, my future would be, that there are things that I would have to do as a parent of a large family, and one of those things was learning how to cut hair. Anybody ever had to learn how to cut hair? I am not a stylist, by the way. <laughs> so I had to learn how to cut hair, and it was out of necessity, because $20 a pop for each of the boys, man, that was expensive. And I figured, you know what, for $20, I could go to Walmart and buy clippers and do this myself. And this was before Google and YouTube, by the way. It came with like a booklet. <laughs> I read the booklet. I was like, this could not be that hard. It, sh it shouldn't be. And let me tell you what, I am very, very good at making people bald. Just so you know. And I still cut my husband's hair, even though all our kids are gone now. But I did. I had to learn how to do that. My girls learned how to cut hair, too. And they started pretty young. They started at 2, 3, 4, 5, again at 12. And then we had an incident at 14. Somebody was shaving their legs and shaved off their eyebrow. Still don't know how that happened. And then last year, one of them actually bleached their hair off. So, <laughs> so they got pretty good at it, too. But they actually they did. They cut their hair all the time when they were little. And I think a lot of it is because they kept seeing me cut the boys' hair, so they wanted to do what mom was doing, right? Because, I, because apparently that was a bonding experience. It was traumatic for me to have them cut their hair off, but not them. But, you know, we teach our kids a bunch of things, you know, and they pick things up because they're like a little monkey. They're like, you know, monkey see, monkey do. And I have to admit, I'm like, I can be kind of intentional as a parent doing those kinds of things. So when we would go grocery shopping, I was like, this is the perfect time to teach math. Teachable moments, people. So I would tell them, because you know, when you're in the grocery aisle, the cheap stuff's down at the bottom, and when you got a really big family and you don't have very much money, you got to figure it out, right? So I'd tell the kids, get down there and tell me what that tag says. What's the number down there? And then I'd say, hey, look, what's the number up here? And I said, which one's bigger? The one up top, I'm like, go get me a couple of those cans down there at the bottom. 
Because it's the same thing, right? It's the same thing. You're just paying for a name. And this came back to haunt me. So when Viviana, she's 20 now, but when she was 10, she was grocery shopping with her dad and her little sister. And Carmelo's mom, we called her Mamita. They went to the grocery store. And Mamita wanted to buy her those, uh, that big thing of um, mini donuts, the chocolate donuts at Food Max. You know which ones I'm talking about? And Viv looked at it, and she looked at the chocolate cake next to it and said, Oh, Mamita, this is the same thing, and it's cheaper. So she came home, and she had chocolate cake for breakfast. That's, that's what happens when you teach math in a grocery store. But then there's things that you teach that you don't think you're teaching. You don't know you're teaching it. Because how we act towards other people, your littles and people around you pick up on. And I, I will be the first to admit, we always had a ton of kids in our house. And it wasn't just our own. We had all the other kids' as friends because we, we apparently became a safe place for kids to come. And it's funny because I'll see these kids, and it might be 10 years since I've seen them last. And they always say thank you. And I couldn't ever, rem I, didn't, I had no idea what they were talking about. Because just if you need a place to come, just come and have dinner with us and chill and, you know, until you feel better. Or, and we've had kids stay. I'm only going to stay for a couple of days. And then it's like six months later, okay, I'm leaving now. Like, all right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it was just how it was. And Will had explained it to me, my son. He said, it's because you gave them a place to be and be safe, Mom. They would appreciate that. And I was like, oh. And we still do it. And I still bring friends home. I mean, all my kids are adults now. But our house is still a safe place. And they do have, they have friends that are having issues. And they come over and they have dinner. And they relax. And then they, they're able to go home. But you don't realize what you're doing. Because you just feel like it's the right thing to do. You don't ever want to see a kid hurting, right? So you give them a place to be. And so that's what we did. And uh, it gets, and so those are the things that you pass on because the actions are picked up by those around you. So what do you want to put out into the world? So that's what we're talking about today. And I love this. I actually love Galatians, by the way. So the actions that we have have consequences out in the world. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app or or whatever, it's up here on the screen. But I'm going to read out of Galatians 6, 7 through 10. And it says, don't be misled. So Paul's talking to the Galatian, the Galatian church. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will ha harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So what you put in is what you get out. And it's so easy, I, and I, going back to what Bethany was talking about during communion, it is so easy to get caught up in this world. It, it really is. And it almost feels like it's so much more blaring today than maybe 20 years ago when some of us were younger. But the brokenness, it just influences everything that we do. And when Paul's talking about mocking the justice of God, it's basically 
ignoring God and thumbing our noses at him. That's a really old thing, thumb your nose at someone. It's not very nice, by the way. But we thumb our noses at God, and then that leaves us open up to let all that brokenness in. And so instead of focusing on what we're supposed to, which is God, we end up focusing on the brokenness. And it comes in so many different shapes and sizes. So like, if you go to McDonald's every single day for every single meal and eat a quarter pounder with fries and a large Coke, that is not very good for you. And you're going to see it in your cholesterol and um, you might have a heart attack. I mean, physically, it's really bad for you. But so are things like lying. You lie to a friend and you ruin the relationship. You have envy and jealousy over someone and you create bitterness, not just in yourself, but maybe in other people. So those types of um, actions that we put out come back to us in different forms. So really the question is, is like, what do you want to put out in the world? So I love what Mother Teresa says. She says, if you really want to change the world, go home and love your family. I will be the first to advocate. If you want to do anything in this world that has any amount of greatness or goodness, love your family. Because it's not just a one-time thing. It is constant, and you change the world by changing your family because they're going to be changing their family, and it just goes out from there. So when, we, when our kids were little, we didn't have any money. We didn't have any money. I don't even know how we got here. The grace of God, I think. Really. Because Carmela was the only work, working. I was actually going to college, and then we were raising a boatload of kids. But we went to... We went to Hometown Buffet in Chico, and, uh, which was a big deal for us because it was expensive. So we were, we were sitting down, and one of my, my stepson, Brandon's, uh, had noticed this little girl. She, was running, she had a physical disability. And at the time, <clears throat> see, I, was working the, I, was, I was going to school, but I had worked at the work training center. So if you're familiar with the work training center in Chico, I had worked with adults with disabilities. So, you know, it didn't really phase me any. And he, and he said, wow, that poor little girl, just look at her. Her life must be so hard. And I was like, what are you talking about? What little girl are you talking about? And he goes, the one right there, the one with the physical disability. And I said, there's nothing wrong with her. I said, take a look at her. I said, is she happy? He goes, yeah. Is she laughing? Yeah. Does she look like she's having a good time? He goes, yeah. Then what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Just because someone's different from you doesn't mean that they're not as good as you. Does that make sense? And it was such a teachable moment. And so Mike and so in our house, there were two words you couldn't say. One was stupid and one was retarded. And so those were so those were he was it was a teachable moment. And poor Will he had you dragged him everywhere when he was little, but he we used to go bowling with my clients on Wednesday nights. But you put these things in. When my daughter, Angelia, was in preschool, when they asked her, what does your mommy do? She, tell, she told them, my mommy helps people find homes. And I was like, I do what? 
because at that time I worked for Head Start in this whole the McKinney Vento Act, which is the protection of education rights for homeless children had come out. And so it was a big topic. And so we talked about it a lot. And so she, that's what she thought I did, is I found homes for people who don't have homes, which was super cute. But, but, you, but putting those things out, and all my kids are social justice heroes now. Like, they, they are. It's all they talk about. It's the conversation. Everything is about social justice in our home. And it all started because I worked with people with disabilities and started looking at the world a little differently. So what you put out into the world is what you get back. Right? And Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34 through 35, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say, and a good person produces good things, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So what kind of heart do you want? So if you want to see the change in the world that glorifies God, then we need to start planting the seeds of action. So seeds all of an action that reflect God in our own hearts as well as our families and our friends and our communities. And just like when we plant a seed in the ground, it takes a while for it to grow. I'm a really terrible gardener, by the way. So when I plant a seed, I either overwater it or I ignore it. And so, like my friend Terry knows this about me. I'm a plant serial killer. But so Carmelo, when, when COVID-19 hit and I was home, I've been working from home for six months now, but... When it first started and there was no toilet paper, I said, we have to plant vegetables because we're going to starve. Because everything was gone, right? And all started with toilet paper. So, we, so I did. I did this huge garden in the front yard. I was doing pantry containers. And <laughs> Carmel gets home and I'm like, look, honey, look at all this work I did. Isn't it fabulous? And he's like, what happened to the tomatoes I planted? And I'm like, you didn't plant tomatoes. I planted tomatoes. And then it was war. Because I am super competitive. And so now we're watering the plants every day because at this point I would have given up. <laughs> because, but I was at war because I wanted to know whose tomato came up first, my beautiful Rama's or his beef steak. So, so man, and they grew. I mean, these things were huge. They were like as tall as I was, and they grew and they grew, and then they flowered. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to be vindicated eventually, right? And so I was watering flower. I was watering the tomato plants, and then and they flowered, and they flowered, and they flowered, and we didn't get one tomato. Not one. Not one. So when you plant that seed or see an action that you want to happen out in the world from the heart of God, sometimes you're not around to see it come fully. But that doesn't mean that it won't happen eventually, right? And we're a pretty good team. We actually kept plants alive this summer. I'm really proud. Like, wow, I'm really proud of myself because I really do kill, I kill plants. So the fact that some of them survived, that's amazing. Praise God. Amen. Right on. <laughs> but we get tired. I love the saying, my feet are weary, but my soul is rested. I actually came out of the civil rights movement. Um, I think about five years ago, I was at, I'm going to really go fast because I know we got kids. So about five years ago, I got to go down to San Francisco to a national conference for the Community Action Agency. Does anybody know who Community Action Agency is? I know you do, Terry. 
But anyway, they came, it, it was, uh, came out of the war on poverty during Lyndon B. Johnson's presidency. Um, they came out in 1964, and then Head Start, which is a preschool program, came out the following year, 1965, and we're pretty much the only agencies still around from uh, that era. But anyway, I sit on their tripartite board here in Tehama County as their chairperson, and I got invited to go down, and they do a lot of stuff with Head Start, so it was kind of cool, but I'll never forget a, they prayed over their opening dinner. Like, was, whoa. Because if you ever go to anything that's federally funded, it's like <laughs> total separation. But not them. They prayed over it. And then the guy came, got up, and he gave this huge speech. And I don't remember anything about the speech except this thing that he said at the end. My feet are weary, but my soul is rested. And I was like, wow. Like, wow, I never thought about that. You ever think about how tired we get from doing good? You go out there, and it's like you just put stuff out into the world, and you put it, and you put it, and you put it, and you're like, where's mine? When does it come back to me? And is that focus really on God, or is it on yourself? And it's not going to, and Jesus never said it was going to be easy. He said in Matthew 5, he said, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you're my followers. But be happy and be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So haters going to hate, but not us. We're like, we're like lovers going to love. We're going to be out in the world loving people. And sometimes that doesn't come back to us, and it's hard because people don't understand when you have the love of God in your heart, you just want to love others. And when they don't have that love, they don't understand how you could want to be around them or have that love for them. So we do, we get tired of being good. My kids did too. They weren't very good growing up. Isn't it funny? Some kids are at home and they're just these terrible monsters, but out in the community, they're like, like people are like, your children are angels. I'm like, really? Like, I would like to see that at home. <laughs> My kids made poor choices. We all do. We all make poor choices, right? But here's the deal. is like when you make a poor choice, is the choice, are you saying I'm a bad person or am I a, a person who, a good person who's making a bad choice? Because there is a difference between the two. Because when you're saying I'm a bad person, then you're saying that God created something bad and he is nothing but good, right? But if I say I'm a good person and I'm making a poor choice, and that says you're covered in the grace of God. That you're a good person because you flex the love of God. But sometimes we do make poor choices, but that's okay because we just need to get back on track. And so when we, <laughs> we get back on track, and how do we harvest? How do we harvest good in our lives? I'm going to give you five ways, and I promise I'm almost done. Keep your eye on the prize. What's the prize? What's the prize? Jesus. Thank you. Jesus. God. He's the prize. What happens? I'll tell you exactly what happens when you keep, take your eyes off the prize. You crash and you burn. At the end of last year, I was done with everything. I was physically, emotionally, socially, and mentally exhausted and done. And it was terrible. I have never felt like that before, and I don't ever want to feel like that again. So having COVID-19 happen and actually going into uh, quarantine for me was like a godsend. 
because I was actually able to slow my life down, look at my priorities, and really reconnect with God. And I actually did a study in Galatians, the first three months worth of quarantine. So keep your eye on the prize. I really got caught up in myself and really took my eye off God and why I was doing the things I did. So I practice the fruits of the Spirit. Be one with the fruit. Be one with the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. They are the characteristics of God. I practice these. I'm really terrible at kindness and patience, and so those are the ones that I try all the time. I do. I'm terrible at kindness and patience. I am really bad at it. But I try, and that's all that matters. God doesn't say we have to be perfect. He just says you've got to try. You've got to try it. Next one is be open-minded. Be an open mind. So when you're trying to harvest good, when you're out there putting it out into the world from a God-centered heart, be open-minded because there are people out there battling things that you don't know about. I will never forget, I was, I'm the enrollment manager at NCCDI, so I deal with really angry parents all the time. And I had a parent come in on the first day of school and drag their little four-year-old boy in with them and was angry, yelling, saying uh, the teachers wouldn't let her son come to school today. And I said, and I as it turns out, she, hadn't, she, she wasn't on any of our lists. She hadn't actually applied. She just showed up to take her child to school without actually having to go through the, we have a process. And I was trying to explain to her, you know, what that process was. And she grabbed her son's hand and said, come on, son, Head Start doesn't love you. And I, like, had a heart attack. Because you have all children. It was really hard. But I had to keep an open mind because... He, Here's the deal. She was angry because with herself and not with me, but I was the scapegoat, so I got the brunt of the anger, right? So you got to keep an open mind with what we're dealing with because just because you're giving a smile and a kind word to someone doesn't mean that they're going to receive it in the way that you expect them to. Your time matters. This is a big one for me because I'm so scheduled, but listen, I have this gift of giving, and I'm not talking about money. If I have something to give and you want it, I will give it to you. I'm not even joking. If I have it, I will give it to you. When the kids were younger, we started this thing called birthday breakfast because we were so broke I couldn't buy presents. So I was like, what's the best gift I could give them that's kind of free? And it's like, I will take them to breakfast at 6 a.m., and give them waffles and hot chocolate, and they have the gift of me. They did. They got the gift of me. And I did it for all my kids, and I did it for my best friend's kids. So that was another six on top of that. So we had lots of birthday breakfasts all year round. And they still, my daughters plan it. Like, it'll be May. Their birthday's in April. And they'll say, Mom, next year, I want to go get sushi I'm like, you just had your birthday. But they plan it because it's that big a deal to them. And I spend all day long with these two, by the way. <laughs> They're still planning birthday breakfast. It's a big deal. So your time does matter. And then lastly, it's the little things. I used to think, you guys hear, don't sweat the little things. But I'm telling you what, if you want big things to happen in your life, you better be sweating little things. 
because it's the little things that make relationships work. And it's little things like a smile across a room to someone who's frowning that helps them. It's the little thing of saying hi to someone who nobody wants to say hi to. All right? It is the little things. Because when you do the little things, they turn into big things later on. And then what kind of little things are we putting out there? Are we putting out the love of God? And what does that look like? Fruit of the Spirit. So be one with the fruit. I really like that. That might be my new saying. Either be one with the fruit or be fruity. <laughs> anyway, I really believe on in reaping a good harvest because what we put out there is what we get back. And we have a we have a wonderful community and it's so awesome that we can go out and we can love our community on a pretty regular basis. And we don't even have to be outside our homes to be able to do that. All right. So I am going to go ahead and close this out in prayer. I almost asked if anybody had questions. Like that's like a run of a lot of meetings. Anybody have any questions? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the time that we've had together today. I just pray for your blessing on each person that is here with us and those who aren't able to make it. Um, we just pray that you're with them in spirit. And Lord, we just pray for the sick and the afflicted, that those who are suffering, that you would just lift them up and hold them close. We ask these things in your most precious name. Amen. So don't forget, we'll see you guys tonight. Tailgate party out at Pengrove, 5 p.m. Don't be late.